Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater and his three guests will be talking about how to improve student morale and engagement during COVID-19. This conversation was recorded February 2nd, 2021. So panelists, welcome. If you would, share with us who are you, where are you, what do you teach, and then let's just have a little fun. One fact about yourself that would surprise our listeners. So Caitlin, if you don't mind, we'll kick off with you. How are you today, Caitlin? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. So uh, my name is Caitlin Roll, like a dinner roll, uh, and I teach in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I teach at Annie Camp Junior High. Um, we actually team teach at all of our campuses. So I travel to our other junior high, which is MacArthur Junior High. And I travel to the high school. Um, I teach seventh through ninth grade at Annie Camp. We've got seventh grade beginners and then eighth and ninth grade bands. And then they go to the high school. Um, I guess, is that all the information before the fun fact? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I guess my surprising fact, and people who know me may not say this is surprising, but I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Like, love it all. Very obsessed. <laughs> nice. Okay. I've enjoyed the the second season of Mandalorian. I think it's been really good. Jacob, how are you, man? Welcome. I'm doing great. Um, yeah, my name is Jacob Campos. I'm the band director at Franklin High School, along with Brianna Vogt. And um, yeah, I guess an interesting fact about me is I don't think my students know this even that I love heavy metal music even though I listen to classical music I go to the symphony I, but I think metal music's pretty awesome I'm a big thrill seeker even though I don't like to fly on planes so I think it's a lot like classical music and so great great and and uh Jacob I have to give you a little uh, recognition and a kudos as well I think last week or two weeks ago Yamaha released their 40 music educators under 40 and I'm pretty sure I saw your name on there uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm really humbled to be even on that list with those teachers. Um, and that was because uh, one of our parents surprised me and uh, uh, sent me in for that uh, honor. So I'm very That's much awesome. Well, a tremendous congratulations to be recognized as one of Yamaha's 40 under 40 music educators. And that was countrywide. So that's a very big deal. So again, congratulations. And Mr. Price, how are you? It's good to see you, my friend. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my name is Stephen Price. I'm the director of bands at South Gibson County High School here in West Tennessee. And uh, um, I guess my fun fact is uh, that my outdoor Christmas display is better than yours. So just a fun fact there, just for tell you. Us, t- okay, so now you got to tell us why. <laughs> what, what, what makes yours better? I have a lot of lights, man. I cover my house. If, you, if you've seen that movie, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, that's what I've modeled my house after. And then I've okay. got my big, I got a big front yard that I cover with lots of lights. It looks great. You That's might great. see it from your house if you look close enough. That's awesome. Are they still up? They are not. I've already gotten them down. Sorry. Okay. Every year, I think I have that intention of being, I'm going to be the guy that hangs Christmas lights this year. And then every year I'm like, a wreath will do it. And uh, we'll see you next year. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, man. I'll have to look for pictures of that next year. So, well, welcome to all three of you, all first timers on After Hours, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, tonight. So, want to dive in. Tonight is all about student engagement and morale, and we decided to do this conversation because in early December, Scott Lang released his Be Part of the Music State of Music Education. And one of the questions is, is what is the biggest challenge facing your program right now? And the biggest, the most frequent response on there was student engagement and morale. 
And so we said, well, we've, we've got to dive in for this for after hours. We've got to talk about it. So that's why we're having this conversation today. So many educators responded on those results and said, I, I'm looking for ideas and activities to engage my students and to boost morale. And so we're really excited to dive in with the three of you and hear about some of the things that you're doing in your program to, to address these things. So Jacob, I, I want to start with you. If you could just give us a little state of your program right now, what's going on and, and what are some of the challenges that you're facing as it relates to engagement and student morale? Yeah, well, um, like a lot of teachers in the, the country right now, we've dealt with a lot of inconsistency. I think that would be the big one. Um, we do teach in person, but then we also teach online when we go remote, depending on how the numbers are in our district. So the constant going in and out of school has been really difficult, but between going on in online teaching and then being in person and trying to do after school activities that might get suddenly put on pause. And so trying to create consistency across that for the students has been really, really difficult. So, but we found that we've gotten better at it with time. One is that we try to find as much structure as possible within our routine. So we kind of just said, you know, students, if, if this is what we're doing, if we're online, this is the structure of how it will feel. If we're in person, this is how the structure. And we try to stay to that as much as possible because we believe the kids really need a lot of structure right now. Um, yeah, and we've had we've done several events in the fall that we feel and right now in the spring that we feel like are, are engaging the kids pretty well. That's great. And, and right now, are you uh, online in person? What's the status in your district or in your school? We started the semester online for a week. Then we've been in person three weeks after that. And now this week, as of yesterday and today, we are on remote again. Okay, so you guys are continuing to live that challenge of, of the back and forth. And, and so we're going to dive in a little bit and how you guys are maintaining that communication and engagement through all of that. Caitlin, what about what about you? What's what's the status in, in your program right now? Yeah, so we are all in person uh, right now. If the student wanted to do virtual schooling from home and they still wanted to do band, they had to actually physically come to band um, and then leave afterward, which is really hard for a junior high student to try to find a ride to and from school. But some of them have been doing it. They'll show up for first block and then once first block's done, they'll leave. Um, and, and that's how they have to do band. If they couldn't get a ride, then unfortunately they couldn't do band this semester uh, or this year. Um, we haven't yet had to go fully remote at any camp, but we did have to at MacArthur Junior High. Um, so if we had two weeks where we were doing Zoom uh, band, you know, classes, um, but while the high school and Annie camp were still in person. So it was kind of an odd thing where we had to teach our MacArthur classes online, but then we were in person for the rest of them. But yeah, most of what we do is in person, um, other than the kids that would get quarantined, you know, as we all have had that. And I try to Zoom kids in whenever they're gone, if they're available, if they have working internet. Um, but you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's, that's kind of what we've been doing. Great. And then Stephen, for you guys, I mean, what, what are you, what have you experienced or experiencing right now? A very similar situation in that we're mostly in person. Uh, we have the option of if a student doesn't feel comfortable coming to school or if their parents don't want them to come to school with the risk of getting sick and they, they have the option of being a digital learner and doing completely remote learning. And so for those students, we have a program called Schoology. It's an online program that uh, we can give assignments, they can turn in assignments. And so, you know, the only difference uh, between me and Katie is that uh, with, with our school, if they wanna be in band, they can still do it from home or they can come to school just for band 
if they want to and leave from there. So we have some that do both. They come to school, come to band. We have others that stay at home the whole time and, and turn in their assignments through video through that Schoology program. That's great. So let, let's talk about um, maybe some past tense for a little while. I know we've all just been as creative as we could to keep our kids engaged. And before we hopped on, I was really loving some of the ideas that you all were sharing about what you were doing. And I definitely want to spend some time on this. So, Stephen, I want to start with you. You know, what has been um, something that you have tried that's been different with the sole purpose of improving student morale and engagement? And how did that work out for you? Yeah, the big thing we did was during the marching season, uh, you know, throughout the summer, we kept having to cancel band camp and then it was canceling all marching competitions. And then it was just, you know, well, what's going to be next? What can we do during marching season? Uh, because we did learn we were going to be in person. Like I said, we're actually one of those lucky programs that, that we're able to have in-person learning. But now, you know, what do we do? Uh, so uh, I had lots of talks with directors around the county sharing ideas. And out of the conversations came this idea of, well, you know, at that time, we were limited to having only 50 students at a time at rehearsal. And so, well, what if I could take, you know, our 120-piece band split them up into 50 or less members and just have them rehearse in different places across the, the practice field that we have and think we can make that work. So we ran it by the district. We ran it by the principal, got that approved. So that's what we did. Um, and I made it from the very beginning uh, and I'm still trying to do that even now, make it very student led. I want them making decisions. I want their input that I think that helps them be more engaged is that is when they have input. So what we did was we split the band into four groups. Each group had uh, the same number of uh, instrumentation, the same number of ninth through 12th graders split up. So it was basically four small bands. Uh, with that, I put two or three student leaders. I'd already chosen my leadership team for the year. So I put two or three leaders per group. Those leaders chose the song and I let them choose fun songs. We were playing songs like I Want It That Way, uh, Don't Stop Me Now. You know, songs like that. They chose the song. I, I bought them off J.W. Pepper. Um, they ran the rehearsals. You know, one group would be on this corner of the practice field. Another group would be on this corner with their little 35 to 35 yard line markers. And they would set up drill within those four corners. And a student leader in each group made the drill. So it was a very simple drill. We told them to keep them at least six feet apart in the drill. But what you had was basically four small bands uh, performing a song each. And that's how we did football games at halftime. Group one would come out there, play their song as they marched off. Group number two would come in right behind them. And we were able to keep our social distancing that way, even with a large group. Uh, but I'll tell you what really made the students more excited than anything was when we decided to take these four groups and make a competition. They love the competition. I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons they do marching band. They want to compete. They want to be better than you. So what we did, uh, we set up, we did uh, three different nights. One was a Monday night. I think the next week was a Tuesday night. And then the next week was a Thursday night. Uh, and we had a competition from 7 to 8 p.m. Four groups, give them a 15-minute slot, just like a real competition. Give them a warm-up time, just like a, a real competition led by the student leaders. I brought in directors, uh, college uh, instructors from around the area to be the judges. They gave actual comments, gave actual scores. We had bandograms, um, and in fact, we brought in, um, we had our assistant band director who retired last year. We brought her in to be the announcer. So they loved seeing her again, hearing her voice. 
uh, they just had a great time. And on top of that, we were able to help sell tickets to parents and family for like $2 a piece, made it a fundraiser for ourselves. But it was a big time, a lot of fun under the, under the lights at the football stadium on a Monday night. That, that was a lot of fun for them and for me, really. That's great. I, I love that idea. And, you know, I mean, of course, that's what you all did with the fall marching band. I mean, but I, I think there's so many applications that we can take that and apply it to this spring. I mean, I know there's spring sorts taking place and but but the idea of dividing the group up and bringing some competitive element that student leadership and the engagement, letting them teach the drill, write the drill, pick the songs. I mean, that's, you know, some really great activities there that are certainly applicable outside of marching band. It doesn't have to be specific to marching band. So sounds like it was a huge hit for you guys. I love that idea. Caitlin, how about how about for you? I mean, you teach predominantly. I know y'all team teach in Jonesboro, but you spend the majority of your time with with the younger students, not as much on the marching band side. So you're looking for engagement activities in the classroom with instruments in their hands. Tell me a little bit about what some of the successes that you found. Yeah, so I didn't really say this earlier when we were talking about it, but kind of how I've approached this year was try to make everything as normal as possible with it being in a COVID world, you know, still doing a lot of the same activities. And, and I had forgotten about this until Stephen was talking about football, but um, in junior high, we play at football games. We don't march obviously, but we do take our second and third year players to football games, but this year we couldn't. Um, so what I actually had us do was still learn the football music, you know, still, you know, go through that whole thing during a football season. Um, and we actually recorded our football music and I had my principal play it over the intercom uh, in the mornings bef- or before classes in between classes. So that was a big thing, you know, to keep it somewhat normal, the football season. And, and that was really cool. But another, another big thing that we do that keeps kids motivated is, is band karate. And I know a lot of places do that. Um, but uh, junior high kids will do anything for a little bitty, you know, zip tie to put on their case, but they get a, they get a star with their name on it and it goes on the wall for them all to see and to show off to their friends of where they are in the band karate. They, they pass off lines from their book um, for the beginners, or they do their all region music and scales for our eighth and ninth graders. Um, and they get to just progress through the karate system. And if they progress to another belt, then they get to um, have a treat out of my drawer of goodies in my office. Um, but it's a, it's a really cool thing. This year, we're actually also going to try to introduce band bucks, which I actually used when I was a beginner uh, at Bryant, whenever I went there. Um, but we're going to give them a band buck that we're going to uh, let them progress to the karate with band bucks. And they're going to cash those in for treats and things uh, after, after a while. That's great. And I guess one of the advantages of the band karate is that it allows you to kind of, to a certain extent, individually pace, whether they're in person or online or in a hybrid format, and you can keep them engaged at at their skill level at the particular time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's been great this year. Google Classroom has been a wonderful thing, just being able to put, okay, you need to pass it off in Google Classroom. You can't do it for me in person. So it's kept me super organized too. So it's been really good. Great. Great. Love that. Uh, Jacob, how about for you guys? Because I mean, I, I know you, you're, you know, director of bands at a program that's pretty high octane with, with high expectation and very involved parents and everything. And so for you, you have to be very intentional about the engagement level looking ahead to the future. So what have you found that's worked or maybe hadn't worked? Well, for us, um, like you said, we were attending to go to Grand Nationals this fall and uh, perform and do our best. We had a really strong senior class. And uh, uh, with all of that comes those emotions of loss, as uh, like Stephen said, when we lost those competitions and things. So we, the first thing we reminded them is that 
we have to start being not about competitions, but about performance um, first, thinking about uh, making art for art's sake, which we don't talk. I, I feel like I don't talk enough about with the kids that it's not always doesn't always have to be for something. It can be just because the doing is the right thing. And so with that, a big thing we've been wanting to it's kind of perfect. We've been trying to take our program as we try to push to a national level. Um, one of the things I've really thought were important is that we should start to really focus on our community at home to build a stronger foundation because it helps with our fundraising. It helps the kids know that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And so one of the projects that we did was we talked to our seniors. We asked them, like, what do you want to do at this season? They still wanted to do our fall show. Obviously, that wasn't going to work completely. So we shortened it by a lot, uh, re-finagled uh, it into something else. And then we took another movement of it and actually turned it into like a parade tune um, like Macy's where we would go to neighborhoods. We actually picked three neighborhoods, made a route. We chose uh, different locations where we would stop, turn and do drill in the street. Now the drill was really just box drill. And sometimes you couldn't even do it because the street was weird, weirdly shaped or it wasn't uh, wide enough. And so the guard would just spin in place. We, it was a lot of doing stuff on the move. And, uh, but th that was a way to engage our community. The kids still got performances and we didn't even honestly have to take buses because we just chose neighborhoods close by. We asked the parents to drop them off there. There was a lot of planning, our parents helped. And then we like met at certain locations and we worked with our city to get that approved. And then on top of that, we, um, we had a drive-through safari and a Halloween night. So we invited all of our sixth and fifth graders to come out and drive through our campus and see our students in their different sections playing different tunes. So the French horns played like the tune from Harry Potter and the trumpets played our school fight song and the tubas uh, all decided they were going to play uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars. And they all, as kids passed by, they were introducing the instruments to them, like in the tuba exhibit and things like that. And on Halloween, and it went really well. We actually, on Halloween, we invited all of the elementary students from that feed our school. Um, the idea was, let's just do something fun and charitable for the community. But also, these could be future band kids. What if a kid, you know, I was at the very end of that line of cars that every little kid that passed by, we probably saw, um, we saw 400 cars that night and we had to turn away about 200 more, which was actually miserable to do. All those little kids were so sad. But um, we, as I was telling them goodbye, I asked every kid, what instrument do you want to play? And, you know, right away, because they might be in your band one day. And so it's just a way to engage. And our kids had a blast doing it too. Man, I absolutely love both of those ideas. So, so I mean, you were doing impromptu. They were not impromptu to you, but from the community's perspective, they appeared impromptu, like a flash parade, just coming down your neighborhood street all of a sudden with a portion of your band. Is that what I'm understanding? No, well, we did have, no, the neighborhoods knew about a month out to a month okay. out. We had to sit down with their HOAs and play. There was a lot of, uh, there, there was so much preparation to keep the kids safe, you know, in traffic and things like that. And we had to uh, agree with this. Uh, come to an agreement with our city about how we were going to do that. And uh, the city of Franklin's really great and they really treasure the band program and they, they pretty much work with us for whatever we want to do, which is pretty awesome. That's great. I absolutely love that idea. And, you know, uh, heaven forbid we find ourselves in a, a situation this fall where we're still kind of continuing some of the challenges we have felt last fall, which I think we all hope is not the case, but in the back of our mind, we're kind of planting the seeds, what we might do differently. I think that's a great idea. And then so, uh, so the safari, I mean, so you said you did it for Halloween, but you also did it as a recruiting event. Is that correct? Where the, you just invited the elementary and come see our little instrument ensembles in the parking lot and drive through? 
Yeah, we invited actually our fifth and sixth graders to drive through first just to help our middle school. Our middle school is uh, just like every other middle school in the country. Um, they didn't get their normal recruiting events at all in the spring. So uh, we had to try to find ways really quickly at the start of the year to recoup some of those numbers. And so um, that was just we asked our principal to send out the info and he did to have every sixth grader and all the fifth graders come and drive through. And it was really fun. That's that's I love that idea. Low cost, great recruiting way. Get your kids involved. They pick the music they want to play. So what a gr really great recruiting idea. Great. Um, so some great activities there that you all did. I applaud your creativity and overcoming everything. Um, it, has there been anything that you did that you just thought, wow, that was a lot more engaging that was not the response that I was anticipating, either very engaging or I was anticipating it to be much better than it actually was. Jacob, we'll, we'll start with you. Have you tried or done anything where you thought, wow? Well, uh, those events, I would say those went way better than I thought they were. I was nervous about every single one. I thought nobody would show up. Those were kind of those were those were the ones that were surprising, to be honest, all the and seeing the little kids that were so excited. Um, yeah, for sure for class, uh, because we're a district where we're online and offline quite a bit, I will say that it took me personally, Brianna is the other director at our school. She is way better with the online stuff than me. Um, I It took me a long time to figure out how to make that engaging and figure out the whole Zoom, how you have to have like external sound so that you actually ma match up and, and, and things um, are good with timing. And we also learned to use smart music this year. We hadn't really used it before. And so that was, I will say that's the stuff that I thought when I first used those programs, I thought, oh, the kids are going to love this. They're going to love playing like in a virtual ensemble. So we tried to do that at first. It did not go well. So they didn't really, they did not like that as much as I thought they would. Um, we tried to do virtual chamber groups and then it, it was all user error. It was on me because I just, and I asked a lot of people what to do, but everybody's trying to learn it together. And then we've kind of now gotten to a place where we use smart music and we're really, we feel like we're being really successful with it. And some of that, um, that virtual stuff is going better as well. But that was really, I will say that there was, that was a, wow, I am so bad with technology right now. Okay. So you, you had big anticipations with the, uh, the, the virtual ensemble and it just, it didn't, it didn't pan out for you. Kaylin, how about for you? What has surprised you in terms of engagement, gone well or not? We actually, uh, in my jazz band, I decided to play the band Among Us, which I had seen all over the band director group and seen all these people do it. Um, and my counterpart at MacArthur Junior High, Seth Jansen, he had done it with his group a little bit. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll try it. It's basically, if you don't know, Among Us is an app that the kids play where it's basically like a whodunit um, and try to figure out who the person is that's going around killing people. Um, obviously, we don't kill people in regular band, but um, they just play wrong notes when we do scales or certain things. Um, and so they have to figure out who the imposter is. Um, and my junior high kids lost their mind when they found out we were going to play that. I did not expect them to be that excited. Um, and it's always so funny when you play games like that that are not necessarily specific to band and you see kids that don't normally talk and all of a sudden they're like super competitive and like calling people out. And you're like, whoa, like obviously you're really enjoying this. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And my kids, even this semester, uh, we played at the end of last semester. My kids almost every day, are we playing that today? No, y'all, we have a performance soon. We're not playing that today. We'll play it at some point, but but not right now. So that was something that went really well. 
That's great. So help me unpack that because I've, I've never heard of the app nor the game. And so would they like get a, an index card when they came in or how, how exactly would that work to know who plays the wrong note? Because I think when I, I think when I was in middle school band, that happened pretty naturally. <laughs> yeah. So I had little uh, cards that I printed out that had either uh, imposter or crewmate, which are the words they use in the app. Um, and you hand them out anonymously and, you know, tell the kids don't share it with your neighbor. Um, and they figure out, oh, I'm an imposter. And so then we would take the beginning part. Uh, I would say, okay, if you're an imposter, figure out what note you're going to miss. And they were only allowed to miss one. Now, obviously, especially with junior high kids, sometimes they'd miss more than that. Um, but it also kind of made it more fun in the discussion period because they were just like, no, y'all, I just missed that note. I didn't mean to. But like, so they would be like, lie their way through it to try to get people to not vote them out. So um, basically, they they play a wrong note in a scale. And, and then at the end, they discuss who they thought the imposter was. And so um, it started pretty crazy because they all got into it and started yelling over each other. And I was like, all right, you guys, we're going to we're going to just do three people are going to talk and you got to raise your hand. And so many people would get offended, you know, if they got called out and called sus or suspicious and all of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I learned going through it. Ooh, OK, so I'm going to do this a little differently next time because it was kind of a free for all there there at the beginning because they loved it so much. But I guess that's good. You know, it's super engaging and they're excited about it. I, hey, can I, I, just... I love that idea. Yeah, Stephen. Can... Can I just say, if I played that game, the instrument that I would choose would be the sus symbol. There nice. you go. Nice. <laughs> I was just, in the back of my head. I was thinking, you're, if you have French horn or bassoon players, bless their hearts in there because they're going to, you know, okay, I, I just, wrong note. Sorry, I'm still, I'm still getting it going. Sorry, wrong note. Okay. Uh, well, I, I love that idea. I mean, it's so simple. I mean, you need a pack of index cards. You know, people can pick up if they don't play the app, they can pick up the game really quick. And, uh, and, and it, and it's another great activity too, because it's forcing them to listen to what's going on. Or, I mean, they're, they're listening for who's playing wrong, but it's forcing them to listen to the band as a whole. And I think that's such a great thing to teach, particularly among your younger students. Um, so really great activity, Kaylin. Stephen, how about you, man? Is there anything that you've taken a pass at that just went well or didn't? Um, I've got a couple of epic failures I can tell you about. Yeah, uh, both, great. both of them on my end. Uh, back in the summer, when we were still in the middle of all this shutting down, not able to have any kind of rehearsals, not able to have any kind of band camp, uh, you know, something that I tried uh, to reach the students, at least to just let them see my face, let them maybe see each other's faces or just have any kind of communication was, I tried a YouTube thing. Uh, you know, kids watch a lot of YouTube. They watch those streamers, uh, even like Twitch streamers. You think of something like that. So I'm going to try that. I'm going to get a stream going. I'll do something. I'll play on finale. Let them watch me transpose music in finale. And in between, we can just talk. They can chat in a chat room. I can talk. Uh, well, and as it turns out, I think I was meeting a need that wasn't there. You know, we had like four people show up. And then when I tried to talk to them, they would disappear because they didn't want to talk. You know, they just wanted to watch. So something that just didn't work for me, but, you know, something that I might try again if I had to. It's just a little strange to try to meet them where, where they're at. Yeah, I, I applaud your creativity on that one because the Twitch streaming is a big deal now. It is. And, and the people who do it, I now have a, a much more respect for because they do it well because there are so many ways to do it wrong. And I think I did them all. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that with us for anybody that might be thinking about the Twitch, the Twitch streaming uh, that didn't go quite as planned. Anything that did go as planned for you? Uh, something that did go as planned. Um, something that I, uh, yeah. Uh, 
something during the summer that I did pretty well, I think, was I made some pre-recorded YouTube videos. It wasn't a stream. I made some videos. Uh, the first thing I did was actually back in March, I think, when things first shut down and we were getting ready for our spring concert that we didn't get to have. And so I just made a video. I, I did a, just a video of me on my podium in the empty band room having a normal day of practice. And I would say stuff like, you know, trumpets, be quiet. Uh, percussion, stop hitting each other with the sticks. Flutes, you're so great. Why, how can I not get all these people to act like the flutes? And so it was funny. And then I made another video that was something like, you know, uh, what was it? Band instruments in the wild. And it was like a nature video of me finding a trumpet out in the woods and saying that, you know, the history of the trumpet beast in the woods. That was a lot of fun. The kids got a laugh out of it. So uh, I guess since they didn't have to be there interacting with me, they could just laugh at me. They love that. I, I remember seeing your, your instruments in the wild video and I oh, yeah. at those. Those were really well done. Uh, so Jacob, I, before this, you, you might've talked about a canned good that you used that got a surprisingly high amount of engagement uh, that you just almost thought is like a gag at the beginning and the kids really responded to it. Before we move on, do you mind just sharing that little story with us? Well, I don't know if it was like the greatest event ever, but it was, uh, I totally stole this from Jarrell Horton um, in Alabama. And it is, he used to talk about how when kids were trying to play a scale or they were trying to do something really well in class and they were kind of competing for that, he would hide an, a, a mystery gift in like a brown paper bag. And he would reveal, you know, at the end, it's just a pineapple and the kids would go crazy. So we did that in our percussion class and the kids had to learn, you know, know all their circle of fifths in the green study on mallets. And I, this is the first time I had ever done that with them and that, you know, they could even like feel what was in the bag and know that it was heavy. They were like, oh, this is something really cool. And then it turned out it was just a uh, spaghetti and meatball can of, and it was even expired. And you would think that they thought, even thought it was gold and they even put it up in their room and decorated it. So it's funny what the kids will get really excited about, even though for us, you know, I just found that somewhere. I don't even remember where I got that to be honest. <laughs> You're listening to After Hours, conversations for music educators from February 2nd, 2021, presented by Amro Music. When you purchase your classroom supplies, books, and accessories from Amro, you're joining over 500 schools in seven states who partner with us to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians. And you're also supporting this podcast. Our director services department can help you have your best year yet. Just email Seth at AmroMusic.com or Alan at AmroMusic.com. Now back to Nick Averwater and his conversation about improving student morale and engagement during COVID-19. His guests include Stephen Price from South Gibson County High School in Medina, Tennessee, Caitlin Roll from Annie Camp Junior High in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and Jacob Campos from Franklin High School in Franklin, Tennessee. I just absolutely am inspired and applaud all of the creativity that you all tried. And it sounded like there's some things that went really, really well looking ahead to this spring. I mean, we're kind of in like this hybrid stage where we're trying to get back going. The vaccines are starting to come out and I think there's a lot of optimism. And so I'm sure you're all trying to think of new ideas or new things to kind of get us back to when hopefully things return to normal. So do you mind just sharing with us some of the things that, you're thinking about trying or that are just kind of rattling around in your head. And I think I have an idea here, Steven, do you mind if you mind sharing anything that you're thinking about? Well, 
Uh, first of all, you know, we're planning everything as normal, kind of like what you're talking about, until it has to change. You know, we're planning towards our spring concert, uh, planning toward whatever we do at the end of the year uh, until it has to change. Now, of course, right now, what we're doing is working toward our first concert of the semester, which we always have an ensemble concert, a small ensemble concert. And normally we have, you know, 20 groups of trios, duets, quartets. Um, and then we're able to get in our little practice rooms in different areas around the fine arts wing of the building and practice had to limit that a little bit this year because we couldn't stuff them in practice rooms uh, and stuff like that. So we we're only doing 10 groups and they're like, you know, five, six people each. Uh, But uh, the thing is, again, we're doing it. I'm thinking very student led Uh, again, they're picking their own music. um, And and right now we're still under that. We don't need to have a, a full concert with a lot of people there. Uh, so we're going to make this a, a virtual concert, not in the way you might think in that you get all the little tiles of people stacked. This is going to be group. You know, group number one is going to record themselves playing their ensemble. They'll send it to me and I'll just stack the videos one right after the other and make a video out of it to give to the parents. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to choose their music. And also I'm encouraging them to be very creative in how they record their video. Uh, I've given them, you know, uh, uh, feedback on they can record their video on the football field. They can record their video at home on the roof. I don't want to say that. Don't get on the roof, kids. Uh, but they can record their video uh, like in front of a green screen and have something cool going on the green screen if they know how to use some of that video editing software. A lot of these kids know how to use that stuff, know how to use YouTube and those free software things. But again, very student-led, uh, at least for this first concert, that's what we're doing is, is going for the videos and putting them all together one right after another into a video for the parents. I, I love that idea. So again, a, a little bit of a twist on what you did in the fall and that we've got smaller ensembles, student-led groups, a lot of input from the students at picking the music, picking the location, the influences, and then bringing them together into this, this digital concert. And, you know, what I really love about that idea too, is I think we all see these tile concerts and they're beautiful and I've never tried to do one, but the people that I've talked to that have done them, I understand takes like hundreds of hours to edit something like that. And the beauty of yours is that you're creating this concert, but not with all of the tiles, you're kind of minimizing the video editing. It's more of a cutting, splicing, bringing it together and pressing play. So you've definitely simplified the twist on the the video concert, which I really love. So that I, I can't wait to see that. I hope you post it on, on Facebook. Cause I'd love to check out that concert. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it out there for everybody to see. Yeah, that'll be great. Caitlin, how about for you with, with your younger students? Is there anything that, that you're thinking about trying uh, with them on the horizon? Yeah, so at Annie Camp, uh, every year we do a Black History Month program in February. Um, normally it's in person and it's kind of like a, a pep assembly that we bring everybody into the gym. Obviously this year we can't really do that with big groups of people. Um, so we're going to try to do a, a virtual video where um, it's my jazz band that's going to play. We actually bought uh, a choir arrangement with instruments of Glory, which is a John Legend song from the movie Selma. Um, it's a good arrangement, but it's also written for not jazz band instruments. So there's like string instruments in there and some other things. And so I've actually had to teach some kids how to transpose. And believe it or not, eighth and ninth graders love that, which is interesting because normally people are like transposition. No, but like they're like, yay, new things. Um, so they were learning to, to transpose. But we're going to try to record our portion of it in class and video it. And then the choir is going to record their portion and they're going to put it to, on top of that. 
Um, and then we're bringing in our other fine arts uh, department, collaborate through it. And so there's going to be some theater monologues that are going to be there. I mean, also some pieces of art that we're going to take pictures of and just make this this big video. So um, we're going to kind of experiment and hopefully it will come together and hopefully it will be great. But it kind of goes back into the trying to do everything as normal as possible, because normally we do one of those. So we wanted to try to do it again, even if it is a, a virtual option of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think right now people are really looking for, of course, content to celebrate Black History Month. And so I think that's a wonderful way. And I really love too the way that you have blended it and it is a, an arts wide initiative. It is not a, a band thing, but it's an arts wide initiative. And so that's a, that's a great way to kind of bring your fellow arts teachers together uh, and through that celebration. So I, a great idea. I can't wait to see how that turns out too. Cause that sounds like it'll be digital as well. Maybe we'll get a glimpse of it. Yeah. Hopefully good. And if it is, I'll share it. <laughs> yeah. Jacob, how about for you? How, how are you approaching this spring and, and what are some of the things that you're thinking about giving a try? Well, uh, the spring doesn't feel too different, to be honest. So we, we are the, the one thing that's new is we're doing a solo uh, honors recital night just before spring break. And the students are working on that right now. They all have one short solo to working to work on. And uh, we're kind of that's juxtaposed against uh, every band is playing two works for our spring concert. And then about after spring break, they'll start, the whole band will learn some uh, very scaled back works for a pops concert, a full pops concert, the very end of the year. And so besides that solo thing, to be honest, I, I, I feel like I'm not in the land of doing some new fancy things. That's how I felt last semester. Last semester was, I felt like I thought of every new idea I could possibly think of. And to be honest, it was overwhelming at times. The, it felt like just because there was so much new, I had to make up a bunch of new things. So I like I like when Caitlin talks about trying to keep it as normal as possible. So this semester, um, a motto for my friend David Adela that I've been using a lot is do it, do less and do it better. So yeah, we're scaled back. We're doing uh, maybe not as difficult music. There's challenges for sure in our music with each ensemble and not as much repertoire. But we are doing, we're trying to get hone in on those fundamentals even more. Uh, to be honest, the thing the kids, I was surprised that the, that the kids are really getting into is I have a simple scale sheet that's built off the Albert scales for clarinet. And it's for all the woodwinds. And we, you know, for the first two weeks of the semester, it goes through so many different patterns. That it's so difficult. And I told them, I was like, you just got to get over the plateau, this t this place where you don't feel like you can get it at all. And I kept talking about how I had started like a workout program. And I said, you guys don't get to see me, but I'm terrible. Like, it's like one of the worst things you could ever watch. And uh, the whole idea is that they, they just kind of, and then after a while, they'll start to play. We have now got to the point where they can start this scale sheet and we can run it down really fast and we're pushing them on the tempo. I'm surprised the Woodmans are so engaged by that because it's so important. I feel like that the students right now have something they can feel like they're accomplished at and know that they're good at. Um, not just doing an event, but actually feeling like, or another concert or something. Uh, for us, I was worried about, I was that's where I had started to go. And so I thought, well, why don't we just do what we've done and then do less with it and do it really well so that the kids walk away. That was my biggest fear. What if we don't sound as good? So what's wrong with not playing the highest grade we always play? What's wrong with doing less music and then just trying to be better at it so that the kids feel very good about how they sound at the end? There is like there is a, a you have to meet in the middle somewhere. Obviously, we don't want to be too easy because then the kids feel like there's nothing to work on. But 
I think we've given them enough material that they have some things they can sink their teeth into. But yeah, I just feel like we're trying to do less and do it better. Yeah, I love that mentality too, because, you know, what you're saying is, is we're not going to remove all expectations, you know, but we are going to remove those expectations that were perhaps, um, we're going to leave the most important expectations in place and the ones that are left, we're going to hold everybody to them like your scale project. And, and I, I think that's absolutely wonderful that the response, and I, I love that mentality through all of this in COVID because I think that's a great way to approach so much because we so badly long want to get back to the performances and the things that we miss. I mean, that's what, that's what we as musicians remember. I mean, we remember the performances and the ensembles and the groups and the friendships and we want to get back to that and we will. Um, but I love the way that you've kind of tweaked that expectation that you've placed on your students. Well, yeah, there's, I think that this has been a big reminder to me too, that above everything, I know the, the, the social thing of band is really important, but I think for every student, there is nothing that beats knowing that you sound good, you know, and that you know what good is. You have to have that part too, right? So that is what I was afraid would get lost. And I think even myself as a young teacher at times, I think I've um, made the mistakes even before the pandemic of trying to do lots of things. And then maybe we could, we didn't sound as good as we could have. And so this has brought me back to a place of doing that, of doing less, but trying to be very, very excellent at it. At the, you know, um, at platinum level, we say platinum and diamond level at our school, even above gold. And so, um, yeah, I think focusing on those small things is really important. That's great, Jacob. So, well, uh, we are approaching the 45 minute mark. And so one of my favorite questions to always ask a panel before we sign off is just, do you have any suggestions, insights, final thoughts, advice, anything that you would like to share uh, with our listeners? So Stephen, I'll lead off with you, my friend. Do you, do you just have any final thoughts or things that you would like to share with our listeners this evening? Uh, just uh, one way you can go about it is, you know, at least with this year, you don't have those expectations even of yourself to try to do as much like what Jacob was talking about. You're not trying to do everything at another year. It's, it's almost refreshing if you can think about it the right way to do something different, to try something different, to fail sometimes. Uh, and I tell you, I, I've done a lot of things out of necessity this year that I will continue doing. I've used Google Forms more than I've ever used them, and I love it. Uh, I've, I've used YouTube more than I've ever used it. And I think it's been good for the kids. It's, it's it kept them more engaged in more ways than one. So yeah, just you make it something that will make you a better director and a better person this year. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Stephen. Caitlin, how about for you? Any closing thoughts or advice you'd like to share with our listeners? I've loved what Jacob and Steven just said, you know, about getting better at whatever you're doing and making sure, you know, that there's some improvement always happening. Um, I think too, going off of what Steven said, um, this year is in a lot of ways, there's less pressure because there's no, like, you have to be this level of this for, you know, a certain performance or a certain competition. And so I think on one hand, like that's kind of freeing for us as artists and musicians, because we don't have this pressure being put on us um, other than the pressure we put on ourselves. Um, but uh, I think it's a good year to experiment kind of what Stephen was saying. And if, if there's something you've always wanted to try, this is the time you can do it. Um, obviously we're always all having to experiment right now because there's, you know, so much restriction with what's happening. But um, I think right now, 
a lot of us are kind of in survival mode and that's okay because we're all in that same boat. But as long as we're trying to get better and we're getting our kids better and we're trying to stay as positive through it as possible, I think that's, that's the best thing we can do right now. Yeah. I love that mentality too. Cause let's be honest, if anything doesn't go as well as we hope it is, you just blame on COVID. You know, you just, <laughs> you got, you got the perfect excuse to go, well, that, that wasn't as good as COVID. Well, maybe next time. And you can just keep rolling. So you got, I mean, it's almost, uh, you know, it's almost like a free play or a free card, man. You got nothing to lose. So you might as well take a pass at it and see what happens. Jacob, how about for you, man? Any closing thoughts or uh, final advice you'd like to share? Well, I love what Caitlin said about the expectations being thrown off. You know, it started to, at the beginning of this, I have to admit, there was a few times, I shouldn't say the beginning, there's been several times throughout this where I was just freaking out. Like, I really was thinking about how either terrible we sound, what our feeder programs are going through, um, numbers dropping it there, and all the things that are going on. And then I started to think about how, what am I really doing this for? I mean, we never, I, you know, I say all the time, I'm not learning a piece to get a score at, or, or a rating at concert festival or whatever. But then do I always really live that? Do I teach the same? Will I teach the same without that? Well, I found that I will. I, I think I, but I also have realized that the essence of our job is we're called to teach the students right in front of us. So instead of worrying about what could be, what wasn't, who may not be in the band, we're called to teach these kids every day. So if I wake up, I did my very best to, to meet the needs of the students, to engage with them, to actually talk about, talk with them, see if they're okay in their lives and to just try to make them better, like 1% better every day, and I can go home, I can go to bed knowing that I did what I was supposed to do. Because that's all we are. We are just teachers called to make our students better in music and as people. So yeah, those kind of things that really brought me back to that place. And that would be my advice. Just remember what your job really is. And then you start to realize all the other stuff and the ratings aren't nearly as important as you thought. Yeah. And that's a perfect way to end tonight's webinar, Jacob. What a great way just to kind of ground us and bring us back to the fundamentals. I mean, if we strip everything away, why are we here and what are we trying to accomplish? And I think you just hit the nail on the head, man. That was that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Well, to all three of our panels, Stephen, Caitlin, Jacob, thank you. I, I applaud your creativity. I mean, you you are just three inspiring educators that said, yes, COVID is here. And yes, this is not what I want to do. And yes, nobody signed up to teach during a pandemic. And you said, but yes, we're going to teach music. And I applaud that because I think the students need that more than ever right now. I think music, uh, what's the saying that I've heard is that science will get us out of this, but music will get us through this. And I think you all exemplify that day in and day out by continuing to, to provide music in your students' lives. So, uh, and, and that goes for all of our music educators that are joining us. So from all of us here at AMRO, thank you, Stephen, Caitlin, Jacob, to all of our music educators. Thank you, because you guys are making a difference right now. So what a wonderful conversation. Now, as a quick reminder, we're going to be back next week, February 9th, with another panel discussion on kickstarting your beginner recruiting. It is never too early to th start thinking about your spring recruiting activities. I know a lot of us do it in March, April, and May, but let's go ahead and start thinking about it now. So we're going to kick that off a two-part series on recruiting next Tuesday, February 9th at 5 p.m. So again, to our panelists, thank you for everybody at home. Thank you for doing what you do. Really appreciate it. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we look forward to seeing you at a future episode of After Hours Conversations for Music Educators. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators, presented by AMRO Music. 
This podcast features conversations with music educators who are finding innovative ways to teach their students. You can hear and see more conversations at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.